0: Welcome to season two of the Shopstool Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. With Joey Chalk from Kingpost Timberworks, Brian Cush from Sawdust Bureau, and Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes. Hi everyone, I hope you're all very well. This is episode 16, season two of the Shopstool Podcast. As always, I want to start by introducing my two co hosts. Joey, how's it going today? Very good, Robin. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. And Brian, how are you? I'm great, Robin. How are you? Good, good. And My name is Robin Lewis. Welcome to the show, everyone. So, uh, just a little bit of a bit of inside um, storytelling, I guess. <laughs> um, for those of you who for those of you who listened to the show last week, you probably wouldn't wouldn't have even noticed, but we had this like huge technical uh, drama where uh, Brian's recording cut out halfway through uh, right. and then it got lost and it was <laughs> we were trying to stitch it together uh, it, it, it turned into a bit of a, a bit of a, a challenge <laughs> let's call it Brian actually ended up re-recording the first half of that show based hell? off of what Joey and I said <laughs> oh my god and did you, it, you, made, no you did, you you did no such idea. a good job it was oh, not I think it took me
1: two hours to record that 20 minutes action Holy oh, crap! Uh, yeah, that'll So teach the me. first half didn't record, and your second half did. Yeah, the second half from halfway on was perfect. But yeah, the that's first crazy. half, like trying to trying to remember what questions I asked and what questions I answered, like it was it was really hard. But um, we got there yeah. in the
0: end. <laughs> it's it, it just it fitted in perfectly, and that's why I say probably no one would have even been any the wiser. Um, there were a couple of spots where you could the. Like, the, the jokes were very disjointed. <laughs> yeah. We could, we could cut them together. Uh, but I just thought I'd mention that as well. That's why um, the last episode was a bit delayed. So instead of coming out on the Sunday, it came out yeah. on the Wednesday. Sorry about
1: that, guys. That's uh. why we
0: just had to, we had to sort that out.
1: I didn't hear anything from you, so I just thought, everything's good. Didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> because I recorded my workshop as well, it, it, we've had torrential rain for pretty right. much all this week in Melbourne. So on the yeah. tin roof, you wouldn't have been able to hear me at all. So I no. <laughs> to wait for mm. for a half-decent day to be able to record it. Yeah.
0: Oh man,
1: that's funny.
0: Yeah. So yeah. hold on. Yeah. So you guys might have seen the new video that I put out this week. Yes. yes. I know Joey, I know you've watched it. I don't know if you have Brian. Mm-hmm. But it was the Kitchen Island Bench, and this is what I've sort of been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And before I started this video, something that I thought was quite interesting is, I don't, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong, I don't think the idea is groundbreaking. I don't think it's this, it's this phenomenally interesting thing. But I couldn't find anyone who had powered an island bench in the same way. Everyone runs their electrics through the cabinetry. So mm. if you want to pull the cabinetry out, you know, what do you do? And it was just really interesting that I could not find anyone who had Because Joey, you've obviously done a lot of these installs before. Yeah. Have you ever seen the wiring run interestingly or differently to through the? I guess I
2: have seen similar things where large rebates with a a, some kind of conduit, but never Mm. in like a a total freestanding piece like that. I have seen it in like um, what do you call it? Like I guess they call it like a peninsula that comes off. A kitchen mm. bench, which is not a fully detached island. And I have seen a similar kind of cabling buried in, in a leg or something like that. But I think what's interesting with your piece is it looks like a table that you should be able to move around, like you should be yeah. able to pick it up and move it. And I think that's what is kind of like that role reversal, which I really thought was an interesting. Um, and just, mm. I mean, I'm sure you probably get negative comments on the fact, oh, you can't move your table around and blah, 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 yeah. and so, or someone's going to come into the house and, you know, not know what's going on, but, Try like, and lift it up. You, know, yeah. you know, you can tell people, so that's fine, um, <laughs> but I just thought it was cool, because it looks very, it's super minimalist, and it, it's almost doing, like, a little
0: magic trick, um, mm. which is mm. pretty cool. And that's why I got a licensed electrician to yeah. do a bit of consulting on it, because, I was honestly expecting expecting him to say, "Nope, no chance. This will never. This will never fly, right. because it's too. It looks too much like a table. You you yeah. can't. It yeah. doesn't look like it's built in enough. You can't run wiring through this." And he was pretty good about it. Um, and he said, "Yeah, it's fine. Just uh, his his logic." And I and I go to, into it in the video was that as long as you you go to as much effort as possible to stop people from. Putting something through that leg into the wire, you know, mm. you've got to, it's got to be known that that is that there's yeah. conduit or, or wiring in there. You said then that's pretty much it. my my only My only concern with it looking like a table, as I said, is that someone might try and lift it up <laughs> because it's it's screwed into the floorboards, not into yeah, right. the, the joist. You know, oh, that, oh, that
2: well, they have to be human to lift themselves up and the floor. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true, and they are some pretty big. Some pretty big screws in there, so it should be fun. But yeah, so the main reason I want to talk about this is many, many months ago, many episodes ago, Joey, you and I talked about using the C- C- CPF? Clear CFP. CFP, clear floor protection. Yeah. And at that time, I think I just started using the water based polyurethane. Right. And I remember saying to you, it's so easy and quick and it's great to put on, but it's always a little bit tacky. Right. Like I've it, never, it never had
2: that here. I, maybe, I think maybe it could be your, your climate there, but yeah, there's an interesting um, takeaway from it.
0: So I'd been using the interior furniture version of, of right. Cabot's water-based poly, polyurethane. I tried a different brand as well, had the same results, and I was, it always sort of just put me off that water-based polyurethane because it, it was always like, ah, oh, I hard. like it. But it's not, it's not hard. It's not that, yeah. that, that rock-solid, um, like oil-based polyurethane. Tried the flooring stuff? Perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely way different. perfect. Yeah, because yeah. I remember when we talked about it, I thought, ah, oh, there can't be that much in it. It can't be yeah, that different. Yeah, it's quite different.
2: Yeah, and like after you've sanded off that first rough coat, um, it just goes on like a dream after that.
1: Yeah, uh, super smooth. You, Robin, had you seen the um, the cabinet bench top uh, water based poly? So they've got the floor, they've got the bench top, and then they've got the ah. CFP. Have you, have you tried that, or have you tried that? No, no, I've never. I, I don't even have seen, seen it. it, actually. I saw mm-hmm. it in Bonnings for the first time um, this week. I imagine it's a CFP
2: floor rebranded, because when I talked to the technical people here at Cabot's um, mm-hmm. about could I use it on a benchtop, they said mm-hmm. absolutely, we recommend it because it's way harder than, because it's yeah. made for floors. It, and it's, not, it's no yeah. different to anything else they would sell. Uh, it's just it sells better as a flooring-grade poly than bench yep. tops because people are buying big buckets of it so um yep. um so from then on i was literally buying probably almost two 10 liter buckets a month we were going through at one point which is mm. that stuff has just went on everything i did for because I, I did a lot of clear work for, for whatever reason and um stuff's awesome and like yeah. go, it dries in like first coats dry in 15 minutes it's just it's awesome yeah
0: yeah and 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 i lost i think i probably got up to around eight coats on the top but i lost track because you (laughs) just you just keep going and going and going and you're busy working on something else that's cool yeah yeah, um, because that's what you
1: want i had to refinish a vanity that i did about i saw that 15 months ago for for a friend of mine and um i had used oil-based poly on it like a wipe-on poly i probably done somewhere in the region of about five to six coats of white-bomb poly on it. It was super smooth. It was a great finish. Mm. And then within 15 months, it was crap. you could feel wow. the fibers of the, of the wood coming through. And this is all kiln-dried uh, blackbuck. you could feel the fibers hmm. behind the sink where water had pulled that had fully flaked right. the, um, the poly. So I did a bit of research, and yeah, everybody's advice was water-based. Um, top, poly yeah. tends to hold up better yes. in human yeah. environments and on bench tops than than an oil-based poly which i wouldn't have expected i would have just naturally felt wow. the oil base yeah. would have had um, be- a longer lifespan too.
2: i think the wipe-on aspect is interesting too because i think if um recently the wood whisperer on instagram was showing some pictures that of a wipe-on poly stool and a tabletop he made for his house and after right. I think less than a year, it was all just flaking off, and the stool looked horrendous. Really? It looked terrible, and it's just the the film thickness. I think is part of the problem. The wipe yeah. on poly is so thin, and because Super you're yeah. you kind of wiping a lot of it off, I think you kind of need to do like a heck of a lot of coats to get anywhere yeah. near like rolling something or spraying something on.
1: Yeah. Um. Mm.
2: And so, in, in which case, the wipe on poly for for different, um products is not a good idea i think Mm
1: um yeah viscosity difference of the the oil-based wipe on poly compared to the you know the whatever they call the one coat uh water-based finish is incredible right yeah it feels like like watered down glue it's so it's so thick and goopy but um, but
2: yeah yeah, it did did a really nice job Mm. i i find the water-based stuff flattens out just as good as a good oil base as well like it doesn't Mm -hmm. i think it used to be like it, I feel like when it first came out, it was very lumpy and, like you say, glumpy, and it wouldn't settle and, and flow. But I think yep. you know they've come a long way nowadays, and um, it, it flows and, and flattens out just as good as anything else. Which is why you can like use a roller, and yep. a lot of the, the pattern of the roller just flattens away, and, and it becomes kind of pretty glassy.
0: Yeah, it's just that first coat that um, yeah you just got to get right. And but having said that. You know, that it took quite a while to dry that first coat, but the the difference between one hour after applying it and four hours, it it actually, it's changing over that period quite drastically. So even though it's it's dried after an hour, I found that after a few hours that all those lines and all of those streaks had just faded. So it does take that period of time to Now, you were using the
2: beach, which is pretty hard compared, I would say, to anything you've used. Um, and it's not great at soaking in a lot of finish, like those really mm-hmm. hard woods. And so right. you also get more kind of pooling on the top, um, which is good for getting a thicker film finish, but mm. sometimes can
0: take longer to dry. But and how did you find working with the beach? Yeah, fine. It's I, I didn't have any. Because I know that you've said before that it is very hard, and I think it. I think it is. It's obviously certainly the hardest blonde wood that I've ever mm-hmm. used. Right. But in terms of the the gums and stuff that I've worked on in the past. Okay. Right. You know, it's it's still softer than that, okay. but certainly it's the hardest wood that I've put the water-based polyurethane on. Absolutely. Right. But no, I I didn't notice any any huge difference. Cool. That slow drying time
1: must be the humidity up there, because. I find mm. even if it goes on a relatively thick coat, it is touch dry so quickly.
2: Yeah, mm. I, I, we can um. like we can do today. We were doing some water based um, priming, white primer, and yep. with like four little cabinet doors. And by the time you did the fourth one. You go back and back flip the, the other stars. door over and just do the other side. It was a touch dry, not dead dry, but enough that if yeah. you turn it over, it's not going to stick. And we yeah, just yeah. keep going, keep, keep doing that in a rotation. And you're only
0: like, mm. talking about like eight minutes.
2: Uh, <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah.
0: So, something with the, with the project, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this. When I put the, the, the rails in, when I mortise them in, the base of that rail is not sitting hard up against the leg inside the mortise. And, and I thought about this more during this project because of how heavy the tabletop was. But if you picture the, the, the tenon going into the mortise, mm-hmm. the, underneath, the underside of that tenon is yeah. not sitting on the, on the, the, the wood yeah, of that the edge mortise. The the mortise, yeah. Do you think that that is important that it does that or do you think that glue bond is is way strong enough to take that
2: um i'd say the glue bond is heaps because they look like they're about 80 mil thick 80 mil wide rails and most of that was tenon mm.
0: um
2: i think in practice it would be good to have a mechanical connection there and not no, just relying on stop. the glue yeah. but um you know we're all just people we don't get things 100 percent right <laughs> and the good thing about woodworking in the modern era is that the glue is stronger than wood especially on mm. the, uh, cheek faces that were router cut The the uh, mortises were router cut so you had a pretty clean face and that glue mm. bond should be pretty bloody good if it was like a fully hand chiseled mortise um it's not going to be a great finish for just a glue
1: bond i would say mm. Mm. yeah i'd say you're totally fine to be honest. Mm-hmm. like um, Something I've sort of noticed with my domino in the last few weeks when I'm using it to uh, do mortise and tenon stuff, using the offset pegs that you flip down yeah. to sort of, you know, it's supposed to give you this play- perfect alignment fit. It, like, I don't know whether it's my domino's been dropped a few times, but it is <laughs> slightly out of alignment, and no matter how I move the fence to correct it, it it's never perfect. So what oh. I always tend to do now is i'll do a tight domino plunge on one side of the joint and a loose on the other
0: and all i'm using them for is alignment on
1: the because all all the strength is coming from that um that long grain gluing action it's not the domino bottoming out in the slot most of that slot is going to be filled with glue anyway which is going to give you the i mean it's going to act like wood inside where where it was loose Mm. so i I honestly wouldn't like i agree with joey i think if you're machining um
0: your mortises it, it, like it's going to be it's going to be tight and strong because the way i do my mortises is with a a drill and then a router so mm-hmm. they always end yeah. up slightly slightly um what's that concave at the bottom but i guess yep. that's an interesting point there brian if you're close enough it's going to f- you could f- t- technically just fill that up with with glue or it will fill up with all the squeeze out anyway so you won't pretty have it much. like i think i think to be fair on mine there's probably a bit more space there than it's there silly, is glue but that's right but
2: yeah if you but really you know, want that to. is a concern like because pva isn't great a pva will cure to a hard lump and it takes a while when it's pretty thick um mm-hmm. it's not good at doing it really but if, it, if that is a concern just fill it up with epoxy Like, that's what Mm -hmm. it's for. It just, you know, that will do the trick. Uh, Because sometimes Mm
0: -hmm. we make mistakes and we cut the tin in a little bit wrong and that's it. So, yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. And I've always done it like that for for tables and I've I've never even crossed my mind, but because this was such a beast of a chunk of wood going on there Mm -hmm. um, and because it's, you know, quite a long span. I just thought suddenly thought that it's just going to pop under under the weight. Somewhere? I think what you'll
2: find though is if you think about it, the weight is on the legs, yeah. the rails. The rails are there to try and hold that timber flat. And to be honest, if that beach wants to actually curl up, <laughs> nothing's really going to stop that. Those little you know figure eight jigs yeah, um, underneath—they're just going to pull
0: up out of the, the rails anyway. So yeah, um, and that that beach is probably strong enough to take its own weight across a I think it's one point seven. So you, you yeah, almost can jump need all the the rails. over rails.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, it, you need it to stiffen up the table kind of uh, itself. Mm. So, yeah, it, I thought it was a cool yeah. project. You know what I thought was the coolest thing is that you you mixed a flat pack uh, kitchen in with it. And it looked mm. really custom at the end. But, you know, you paid whatever you paid, not a heck of a lot, I imagine, for that flat pack unit. And it looked just fine. Um, yeah. The only thing yeah. I didn't, wasn't sure was at the back of those units, did they still have exposed edges on them? You'll have to cover that or...
0: Whatever. So I didn't go into that in the, in the, the, the video because I can't even remember if, it, if you see it in the video because at the moment they are exposed and I, I will eventually get to a sheet of MDF to cover that. Yeah. But because I'm working, I was working to a deadline because of the sponsor, uh, I, just, right. I just ran out of time. I don't, I don't have a ute to pick up big sheets, so i have got to hire it. Yeah, yeah. And so I just couldn't get to it. <clears throat> but yeah, so I, I do need to cover that. The, the other cool thing that I didn't go into in the video is those drawers are, um, the, they, they call them raw drawers, so the, the brand is Caboodle, and yeah. you can buy the MDF drawer fronts, sorry, the drawer fronts, and I painted those myself. Right, and okay. I was a bit huh. nervous about it, but it actually turned out look... pretty cool. Well,
2: because it all finished, and I actually thought it looked, you did some magic because the, I, I was thinking it was like a, um, a thermo-wrapped formed drawer front, and I thought it looked really consistent, sheen-wise, and everything with the rest. But you painted it all, and it looked fine. It's so.
0: that—it's those rollers, Joey, that you pointed out uh, last. I think last year we talked. We had almost a whole episode dedicated to those those little hundred mil rollers that you use. Uh, you know the uh, film ones. The, the uh, monarch right. or no. the little oh, the nap monarch ones. ones. Yeah, nap yeah. That yep. has ch- that has revolutionised my finishes because I just use yep. those for basically everything now, yep. and it on that when i posted pictures of that bench top yeah. everybody wanted to know how <laughs> i got that how i got that finish
2: yeah i was i've never done clear coat with those i've never thought about doing it and obviously it seemed to work because i use the mm. pads um, for that
1: kind of thing but um yeah
2: it's interesting yeah i've
1: got a good uh, <laughs> a good foam roller tip if you're ever looking for one um, if you're working with the oil-based um stains or finishes or whatever you don't really want to be cleaning the, the foam because it tends to break down with turps yeah. or whatever. Um, wrap it in a plastic bag, stick it in the fridge. and It's good, it's good to use for a couple of days if you're reapplying the yeah. same finish. It's really, really hard. Well, this is yeah. sort of
0: what Joey's um, Joey introduced me to a, a, a year or two ago, is the roller comes with a little plastic tub. Yeah. Oh, it comes a with cheap. a cover, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: Okay, now I'm going. I'm going the Taito's route and yeah, that's the plastic bags. <laughs> well, these <laughs> ones, these
2: ones, um, like I think I said when I did a little video on it, um, we will sometimes put. We've got enough now that we actually write what color is on each roller because we do like ah right okay like three four different whites all the time, and so we just keep a roller for each <clears throat> different mm. white, and um, it might stay in there for two months before we use it, and we just open it up and away we go, and it's still wet, ready it's to so go. Good and, and, yeah. and, um, and it's, it's just perfect. It's such a good thing. Our monarch actually sent me a whole package of stuff over from Australia for that video, like about a year oh. after the fact. Oh, awesome. They they came yes. across it and said, hey, we want to send you some stuff, and so uh, naturally it got lost in the mail, and they had to send it twice, but anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. So for anyone who's, who's following... Um, uh, Brian on Instagram you would have seen that, that judging that's been going on. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that Brian?
1: Yeah um, so it was the Wood Review Year 12 student awards that um, they asked me to, to get on board with the judging and I thought yeah it'll be you know, a bit of fun, be pretty easy um, wow it took a lot of work <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there was a hundred and was there 110 entrances? Entrance? Um and the quality of the student work is just i mean it's just incredible considering How are all these, these these people 17 18 jeez yeah um and a lot of them a lot of them were done over 2 years they sort of do 6 months of just learning the skills coming up with the concept design and then they make it in their second year but some of them designed and made and learned the skills in 1 year um hmm. so if anyone heads over to Wood Reviews website, they have a lot of the videos as well. So the students were they had to submit a statement of what the piece was, their design intent, finished photos of it, and then it was an option to video it and sort of show the process. And I'd look at some of the pieces and go, "Ah, no, it's, you know, a teacher's a teacher's done a lot of that work." <laughs> and then you you watch the videos of these seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-olds making these incredible pieces of furniture. Um. Cool so yeah I really suggest people to head over or um, you can buy uh, a hard copy of it or a digital copy of the magazine and there's I oh, think cool. it's quite a lot I think there's maybe a 10 page spread on, on the different projects but the the winning entries like um, Katia Katarina's pod chair yeah. the geodesic kind of triangular it, it is yeah, the effort that she went to um, the clamping calls, it's 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 amazing. So I wanted to
2: know: Do you know? So she essentially glued up a whole bunch of triangles and formed a half sphere. Um, yeah. And are they all like butt joint and, and dominoed together or something? Uh, yep. Or is it like old, splines? All dominoes.
1: Splines or all, all dominoed together. Yep. Um I think she used like XL dominoes. They're all cut at a slight taper on the. Um, yeah using a jig that she 3d printed um, oh, wow. the angles so that the it's it is crazy
2: yeah because i was going to say like to me that what's impressive is doing that without this massive compounding error like the the jig yep. and yep. the process um and she's essentially every every angle is a compound angle cut Yep. it's what i guess a 30 degree triangle and then like whatever like a five degree compound on it or something like that and um to me to have that come together and like work and create the thing uh, yeah that's that is a massive thing and and the legs on that thing i
1: know i know it's so genius
2: <laughs> yeah i, I thought <laughs> that's such a cool heavy base for this quite a large chair yep. they've actually, they're actually pretty chunky but they're the right
1: shape that it just works that's it, like the first time I saw it I wasn't looking terribly closely at it and I saw the silhouette and I was like oh, it's got these big chunky legs on what mm. should, you know, if you had even like a sort of a steel kind of pin yeah. pin legs on it, but then I looked at the angles and the tapers that she'd done on the legs and it's, yep. it's just fantastic and then you sort of take mm. it all the way through to the upholstery um, and it's this kind of wave-like triangular form in the inside. Right. Like, it's just, it's a masterpiece. It's a brilliant, brilliant piece of furniture. Um, Did she do the upholstery too?
0: She didn't do the upholstery, no. Right. No, That's they were able to outsource <laughs> for that. Um, I'm just having a yes. look at that, up, that upholstery now. I didn't even realize that it was upholstered. I just assumed that there was like a bit of a um, something, um, just like a... You know, like with the deck chair, how you just have a, a, a loose piece of... Yeah, just an there. insert of something. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah, it geez, is yeah.
1: individual triangles that are... Um, Jeez. And I mean, even though she hasn't done the upholstery, to sort of to brief the upholsterer and come up with that, that design. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece. So she's going on to study architecture um, next cool. year. Um, and some of the other pieces as well. Uh, there was a, a hoop chair won the best design. I don't know whether you've seen that on whatever. Yeah, Review. the double, it's a very, hoop. very simple. The double hoop, yeah,
2: yeah. Just yeah.
1: the simplicity of it is is brilliant. It's like a I saw it as a captain's chair.
2: Like yeah, a classic yeah. English captain's yeah. chair, but it had a, an extra hoop on it, which I thought was just cool. Like
1: yeah. it was like a two hula hoops meeting or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And trying to get that, like trying to get the taper right and get them to touch without looking clumsy, or do you leave a gap between? I think it was done. It was executed really well. That's um, what I saw, when I saw that
2: piece. I said, "How the hell did he work out the, the to plane the angle and have them meet
1: without like just just doing it without having it be gappy?" Is difficult. Like, yep uh, difficult at yeah. based so, so he's he's now going on to I've, I've been chatting with the teacher since um and he is going on to do his carpentry apprenticeship i think so he's obviously cool. got some skills um, the best hand skills was a acoustic guitar and a guitar stand and seat done by mats yeah. lee which again is a just i mean such an achievement for for a school yeah. Uh, a school leaver to be able to produce that in such a short period of time, um, definitely worth checking out. It wasn't an original what? design, which was probably no. the only thing that held it back from from really challenging from the best overall. So we were right. we were trying to reward originality. Mm. Um, I think it's 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 just a, it's a good way to teach. And um, Ben Percy, uh, their their tutor, uh, you can tell the way he teaches that he's constantly driving the students to do new things, um, whereas in some of the other students' work, you could see there were direct um, right. replications of of, um, of well-known pieces, which is fine. But
2: I'm just trying to work out, like in my high school woodwork class... <laughs> Spice rack? There,
0: there is no <laughs>
2: way that anything that would be even considered to be put into a competition was... Like, I don't even think... I think in my last year there, my I, I made a triangle bedside table thing, and which my um, in-laws still have actually. Um, it was the only piece to come out that wasn't pine. Everyone else was just pine, pine, like whatever it was. still you know, what, some awful nailed together awfulness. It, like, and what high schools are these that are suddenly yeah. after, like letting kids make like that winning pod cheer? I mean. I can't like the hours that got have got to go into it, and and the follow through, and a teacher willing to to look at a drawing or a concept and say, okay, this is a two year project or a year project. Um, let's go for it. My
0: teacher just would have laughed. She said, no. <laughs> but it's not even about what high school is letting you do that. I think I just think back to when I was in high school, and I was just trying to get out of there as quick as possible. Oh yeah, well that's. <laughs> you know i wouldn't have you know i wouldn't have thought to put that much effort into just about anything yeah that's so true. it's just just the mentality it shows you those, with the passion those, is it it's yeah. yeah it's beautiful
1: and it's it's i have to say like wood review and all their sponsors for supporting it as well and making it something worth entering you know it's not just a pat in the back it is mm. a very prestigious prize to win and you know you get you get a really <laughs> really good uh, cash prize or or sponsored prize at the end of it so it's it's, it's really nice and yeah it was a it was mm. a good thing to be involved in but I know what you mean like you're talking about like the difference of the pine stuff that would have come out of of schools yeah. you know and they're just trying to give you the cheapest material versus now they're um, teaching the students to source a local product right um, I think there's a lot of furniture makers that could look at um, the way the students yeah. went about sourcing locally as opposed to
0: import probably Yeah. Mm. With your uh, judging process, yeah. is, did you fo- do you follow a particular process to you know to, you check this off, check this off, check this off, or is there a lot of that piece just moved me? That's getting a higher rating.
1: So I tried not to look at them and sort of pick my favourites at the start. I went through, I had a spreadsheet and weighted it. I don't know, it marks out of fifty, and I had sort of twenty for. Originality 10 for execution, 10 for difficulty. And I went through and did an initial grading and then worked them out into like a top tier, a mid-tier and a, and a base tier. And then the top tier, I went back and sort of tried to pick out my top 10 pieces. And then uh, Kelly Parker, who's an American um, woodworker, fantastic woodworker, her and I had a, a Skype session and we just went through and we actually... Completely separately and having different judging criteria, we picked out pretty much the same ten projects. I think there was one <laughs> or cool. two that we had a conversation about, but it was just tr- like how to establish an order between, you know, between some of the pieces did, was very very tricky. But um, did yeah. you get to see them in person, or we didn't? No, no. Uh, it it, it yeah. is a <laughs> like seeing a piece up close versus seeing a photograph. But having the videos to show the process yeah. of them yeah. making it, I think, made a huge yeah. difference to the to the way we judged. Um, just yeah. seeing students make it as opposed to yeah, you know, here's my final piece. It's, it's never quite the same.
2: I was gonna say, did, like, if you if you had a room full of the hundred pieces, I feel like you would you would just walk in and go like, nope, nope, not that one. And then yeah. and then you would go, yeah, probably, yeah, probably, and that one. So th- like mm. almost immediately, I think you would feel it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 'Cause there must have been ones where you saw a picture and you're just like, Yeah, no. <laughs> there is there's a few, but yeah. I mean you gotta remember that they're they're
1: kids and absolutely. They yeah, absolutely. Everything. But it's
2: just yeah, that's how it goes. Like it's it's a competition in the end and it's yeah. like you just go, Okay, mm. that's just it's not up to par but that one is and then you just yeah. automatically start in your head making um kind of a hierarchy even if you're not assigning it numbers
1: or anything. Yeah. It's interesting as well, the way like judging a contest like this as opposed to usually it's me trying to enter pieces for competitions <laughs> yeah. has made me think about the way I enter it and you know yeah, it's interesting. really keeping descriptions about things succinct and not sort of rambling and having these huge paragraphs about your piece and all these different intents and making sure you've got your order of photographs right as well you know your first photo is your hero shot mm-hmm.
0: and then sort of go into the details yeah. to
1: sort of show the way the piece comes together but um no, it, it was... Yeah, I'd, go out and buy wood review and, and check it out. It's definitely worth a look.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that they've got a, a hard copy of it. I guess that would be quite a nice memorabilia piece to just get a hold of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's every two months the
1: magazine comes out. It's a, it's a, really, um, it's a really nice thing, and it does support local make. Like, it's so hard at the minute to get... Because magazines are sort of struggling in general, like bigger design it's magazines are struggling... Industry it is a little bit yeah. um, they're now trying to charge even more for advertorials and features and all that kind of right. stuff and it's just beyond the means of most independent makers um, mm. but the support that a hobbyist magazine like Wood Review and it's now trying to cross over to be a, a professional um, professional magazine as well it's really, ah. it's, it's a great thing to support the industry another shout out w- that I'd give would be Green Magazine I don't know if you guys have seen Green. No. Like, you compare it to some of the other design mags, and you know they say, oh, we'd love to feature your piece, and you're like, oh, great, and then they send you a bill. You're like, uh uh-huh. oh, no, I'm okay. But like, magazines like Green Magazine are really good for supporting independent makers.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah. May- maybe next year... Oh, no, that's right, it's only for students, hey? I was going to say, maybe next year we should all put forward a piece to one of those <laughs> competitions and see what we can uh-huh. come up with. There's loads of other competitions, Robin. There's um, the Vivid. That's my, um, <laughs>
1: that's my worst nightmare.
2: Putting a piece <laughs> in to
1: be judged. I couldn't.
0: It's, it's hard that I could do it. Here's my soul. What do
2: you
1: think of me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know whether Adam mentioned it when Adam Markowitz when we had him on the show, but um, yeah. as part of the Wood Dust Festival, he arranged a critique session. Oh wow. So you brought your piece in person to a panel of three judges, and 30, 40 people sat around talking about your piece after your oh after <laughs> your presentation. That is bravery. Shit.
2: That'd be interesting.
1: It was really interesting, and I think people got a lot out of it. Like there was some um, Lee Sinclair, the uh, furniture maker from Queensland. Um, he brought his stuff down um, on a plane from Brisbane for the critique. Jeez and then packed it back up and flew back up. So I think people get a lot of... um, It's just trying to get that peer review. And as you say, seeing a photograph and putting it on Instagram and having everybody comment, oh, I love it, oh, it looks great, as opposed to actually critiquing something when you see it in person and go, I like the way you've done that, but this would have really made the piece. You don't get comments like that on on social media, so so much anyway, from your peers. Mm. They tend to be... You'll get some... People go, I hate it. Salute shit, and you've you've (laughs) got. It's either either
0: perfect or it's terrible. So you kind of you learn to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, being
1: able to take critique is such an important. Like having gone through the design school route of going into architecture, like that is Mm. an industry where you have to learn to take critique, and it's not being done because it's a personal thing. It's been done to make you a better designer.
2: Hmm. You know, I think um, you know after doing YouTube videos for whatever it is six years or something ridiculous um you get i always thought in the start that maybe the comment the comment section was like a critiquing kind of (laughs) area but you know you can't write you can't write it down as a critique because it's going to read depending on my mood it's going to read Mm. really negatively or really nicely and and you don't tend to read things as a as a critique you you read it as um an offense And, Mm. um, and I think that's why now I don't, I, if I comment on something, it's usually just a nice thing saying, yeah, wow, that's really good. I would love to expand my comment into this part that does this to me. And I think this part looks like this, but it's going to read to the person like you're just slagging them off. And and I think that's the part of the social media, like commenting, critiquing thing that doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't
0: translate very well until you're in person. Matthias, Matthias Wandel talked about this. Um, he always, I think he's been quite vocal about it in the past. So he's a, obviously a very big YouTuber, and he th- finds this niceness and all this pleasantness on YouTube. He thinks it's, it's terrible because right. no, one's, no one's learning, no one's yeah. growing because everyone's just being very nice. But then the other side of that, I've, I've always been, I've tried to be very neutral unless I know the person. Well, right. or, quote, unquote, know the person. Like yeah. if we've built up a rapport... But there was one particular well known youtuber, and i 'm not going to mention the name, but this hey. particular youtuber did something in a project this was a, a few years ago, and I looked at that and i thought oh you know that's that's not right it was in a, It was in a wet area, and they put a like a, a, a some draw units onto a onto a bathroom vanity, and there was no silicon around the the base so yeah. you're going to wash your hands and that water is just going to pour in underneath your and you know and i and i remember sitting there at the keyboard going <laughs> should do i, I do this? it <laughs> yeah. and then i wrote it and it's like is that not like am i being neutral enough and the response i got back was so like defensive how, how could you yeah. Yeah. how could you be so horrible to judge me in that way and call me out <laughs> and I was just trying to be you know, nice about it. And, and not, not nice as in, I'm, I know more about this than you. Just uh, more of a, hey, you've probably already thought of this, but I'm just putting it out there.
2: Yeah.
0: And that, that stopped me. I, I've, since then, I've never wanted to yeah. do that kind of constructive advice or constructive criticism because it's just not worth it. Because I, I walked away from that going, well, well screw you then. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to bother with this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So even if I get a comment like that, and I'm like, I agree with you, but it's just not the right forum. I can't just be on my phone having this big, long, complex, uh, nuanced conversation over a few texts that are like 24 hours apart because you're on the other side of the planet, and, I, yeah. and I, it just, it's just not going to happen. And so I tend just to like not say anything, which I guess people mm. think I'm rude, but it, like, uh, it's just you can't do it like that. So no.
0: But, but I think that's much better than getting defensive about it. Because yeah, it, yeah. It would, if, if this, this person in question had just not said anything, it would have been a completely different outcome. But it was the it was that yeah. defensive attacking me back as if I was attacking this yeah. person. And yeah.
2: Speaking of anyway. uh, Matthias Wandell, Matthias, mm. ma- how do you say it? Ma-
1: Matthias? Matthias. Matthias. Matthias.
2: I just spent some money with one of his uh, products. He made the Panther Router. Uh, Well, he invented the the wooden version and then it got sent to a guy in India who started making the uh, aluminium version and then they refined it down to um, uh, a product that is like a a commercial thing that's super accurate and whatnot. So Mm. I just spent a bucket load of money in Australia.
0: Sorry, so are you saying that the one that you got, that design, originated from Matthias Wandel? Yeah, yeah I you go I YouTube, just assumed, you can
1: see the original
0: he, he, I just it, it, assumed that yeah. it had been around for, for no, he decades.
2: No, he designed it and then gave the plans out so people could build their own out of plywood, and there's plenty of people who have done that. And what I'd read is that the tolerances are just not quite there in, in a homemade version, um, obviously depending on what machinery you have to make it with. Mm-hmm. Um, what you make it out of, yeah. And so this guy, I'm not sure how the, how it got set up where the aluminium version was being made, but... Um, I remember looking at it maybe a year ago or more, a couple of years ago, and you could get it as like a kit set. I think shipped from the states, or maybe it was shipped from direct from India at that point. But it all seemed it seemed a little bit dodgy at that point to me because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with like a third party in some other country and whatever. Um, so I, I, anyway, I went to buy one this week and. The American reseller said, "There's one in Australia. Buy it there." So that was good. So Tim, is it Timcon? Timbercon? Timbercon, Timbercon. yeah mm. They've got one, so I picked the one up from them. I had to organise some shipping over to me, for like four or five hundred bucks, which is outrageous. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. So all in. That's it's exciting. Kind have, of you, the, have you
1: used one before,
2: joy no, I've, I, I, you know what? I've barely even watched the tutorial. I've just seen what it can do, and I'm like, I'll yeah. figure
0: it out, and I'm going to yeah. buy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, do, you have, do you have a goal for it? Like, is yeah, there a well, particular thing in mind?
2: So uh, quite a while ago, I was talking about um, a local, mm, local, actually quite local to me, lady had stored a whole stack load of New Zealand cowrie um, in her garage. It was like a, from a family farm, for, for 100 years ago, it's just been... And she had, like, 12 cubic metres of the stuff stacked to the rafters. Um, and so she passed on. Her family from Sydney flew over here to sort out her house. They came down to see me and said, take as much wood as you think it would take to make a whole lot of chairs. And I was like, okay, I'll just I'll just take some and we'll see, see what happens. So um, that job's come through now. I've got 12 chairs to make. And it's in a... I guess what I would call a colonial... Um, a colonial style... In like a... In a way that we probably know from being in the Southern Hemisphere. Like, there's a style, a colonial style that is not recognisable, probably, to to any traditional person who knows chairs or, um, mm. you know, ye olde styles. But it was like, people came... To you know, the Southern Hemisphere, Australia, New Zealand, and made things in a style that worked with the skill set they had, and I think it evolved into like a a middling of different styles—Georgian and Edwardian and Victorian—and everything just kind of got mixed together a little bit. Um, And so that's what the style is. I've tried to make it.
0: And is is colonial the word to refer to that style? Because I know in Australia we use the term Federation quite right Quite a lot. Right. so like you've probably, got federation green yeah. is a traditional green color that they've used for probably right. many hundreds of years brian you've probably got more you've probably got more info on that oh i mean there's so much terminology in it um, yeah you upset
1: different people by saying different things but yeah i think there's it's so much um
2: yeah i, I think and, and even here like there's different terms for different things depending on who you talk to and um so it's just a loosely you can think of it as a loosely victorian uh style uh, six carvers and six whatever you call them that aren't carvers um mm-hmm. and um so i've got the router cool. for that because there are some crazy ass angles and um there's no way i'm going to do that without
1: some repeatability no
2: that's um, what looks so good about
1: the router. i was looking at the the tutorial um, video done for Timbercon by uh, Douglas Fur. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's got a really nice thing to centre the timber in it. Have you yeah. seen that? Yeah, real that's a, simple that's a um, centering. Genius. Gym. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that was in the original uh, Matthias Wandel. I, have I to believe go back so. and watch the video. Yeah. It has um, definitely it, be ref- been refined from the plywood version, but I think yeah.
2: most, mostly it's exactly the same.
1: That's I'm actually amazing. just looking at his, his YouTube channel now and he's got a comparison test between his original okay. one and I think the kit aluminium mm. one, not the, not the one that you've bought, uh, another one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would be interesting to see.
0: Man, what a cool thing to have a notch on your belt, eh? Like, this all originated from me. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah i'm interested to see how it cuts it looks simple there's definitely going to
2: be a learning curve to it Um, Mm. and the problem is that the first thing i want to do with it is these bloody complex uh, (laughs) compound angles and um i I feel like i'm going to swear at it almost immediately because it's not going to be plug and play but uh, i will (laughs) i will work it out
0: and this is not something that the domino could take care of
2: um, No, not in a million years. I also want to get away from using the domino for things like this because, you, like Brian, you were talking about your domino not being accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that um, um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Anton Gurner, has been complaining about his dominoes, m- multiple dominoes, ever since I found him like ten years ago.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: he he buys one every time the warranty is just about to expire. He buys a new one. So he can always have it, so he can replace the parts that inevitably don't work. Um, And so my one has now decided to cut two bigger mortises in the smallest slot. Um, It cuts a mortise that's wider than it should be, and they're not a tight fit. Um, And I've had issues, always had issues with the fence, just not being, the alignment not being bang on. So it's good enough for um, gluing up panels but it's not good enough if I'm trying to join two things together, dead flush or, or whatever, um, on a finished project. And also, it's not going to do compound angles for me. Um, so I really want to get it, get into doing integral tenons, and that's, the PantoRat is really the only way to do it in a mm-hmm. yeah you know, quick, repeatable way. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to it changing my workflow a little bit, and we've already started rethinking... How we will do diff- jobs that we usually do, we'll probably rethink them and use that instead, um, and hopefully it will make life
0: easier.
1: <laughs> mm. Keep uh, keep a square jar handy for that first week. <laughs> Workshop work so. words. <laughs> Where,
0: so. When is it? A, when is it supposed to be arriving?
2: Um, next Thursday evening. Oh,
0: cool. very but exciting! Sorry. who knows? So we we might be hearing about it in the next episode. Then
2: I'm not sure. You know, that's when. Because of all the taxes and duties, it will get held up I'm sure for at least a day or two before mm-hmm. they even email me to say that I owe them a hundred million dollars in tax, um, to get it, you know, past customs. So um, So all just, in I think I'm spending more than three grand on this thing just to get it, yeah. you know, bought into my workshop. So it's a bit it's a lot of money but I've yeah, I, I don't think I've got any other choice with with their work that
0: he's doing, so well, it's going to be interesting to see how it translates because to date, I think the only person who I've ever seen use one is Matthias Wandel, so I'm looking forward right. to seeing uh, quote-unquote layman use it and what the, the results are. Layman? <laughs> quote-unquote. Quite <laughs> there is um, there's something called a
2: multi-router which is out there, and it's essentially was around before, I believe, and it's essentially doing the same thing, but it doesn't yeah. follow a guide. I don't believe it follows a guide like the panto router. Um, and i know philip morley um has one of those a bunch of guys i think anton gurner has one um essentially i think they're even more e- expensive yeah they're I much more yeah. i looked into them like and they're much f- more
1: expensive five grand and up yeah kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah that's right
2: yeah. Uh, so it's, it's an all cast iron kind of deal yeah. and that's a much more industrial version but um it'll be interesting to see what happens
0: yeah yeah cool all right let's leave it there for today so to everyone listening i hope you enjoyed the show if you did, please go ahead and give it a rating on iTunes. That really does help us out. The Shop Still podcast is available on iTunes and most other podcast apps. My name is Robin Lewis. Joey and Brian, thanks very much for hanging out today. Take care, everyone, and we will see you in the next one. Sweet. See ya. Thanks, guys. Catch in.